You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Greetings, fellow believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, I will present my understanding of the seven seals of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. At Revelation 5, 1-7, through 7, John is given a vision of events that will occur at the time that God will begin his end-time plan for the summing up of all things in Christ. That plan, although totally saturated with many, many details, will basically revolve around two things. First, it will complete the redemption of the human race. And secondly, it will finalize everlasting judgment on all who have rejected God's authority, his viewpoint, and his policy, both human and angelic. The specifics of all these end-time events won't be really fully understood until they happen. The, the scroll is sealed until the end time, and although John is given a lot of amplification in the visions, many of the symbols still remain unexplained. We, as with all the various students of the Bible, can try to present a reasonable interpretation based on each one's frame of reference and, of course, comparing Scripture with Scripture. At Revelation 5.1, John saw in the right hand of God the Father a scroll written inside and on the back and sealed up with seven seals. The scroll that John saw in his vision has seven separate seals that basically lock the rolled up scroll until all seven allow the scroll to be unrolled and then, of course, be read. The seals represent the events which God has known all along would happen, and they would happen according to his own perfect wisdom and timing. The fact that Jesus is the only one who is qualified to open the seals confirms what has been taught all throughout the Bible, that everything revolves around his character and work. Now, just as Paul wrote at Ephesians 1.10, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. The scroll itself, it contains the judgments of God that come from his wrath during that period of time called the day of the Lord. That judgment is portrayed by the symbols of the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, which will occur with the breaking of the seventh seal. So that after the seventh seal is broken, it will be time for judgment to begin. The vision of this judgment begins at Revelation chapter 8. <clears throat> the specifics of the end times period given to John should be viewed as symbolic teaching aids and not actual historical details. Example, when it comes time for the events represented by the seals to occur, there won't be actual horses and riders involved. These are symbols. In the same way, the beast coming up out of the sea is a symbol used as a, a teaching aid to communicate a specific event within the international environment at that time. But when it's time for these events to take place, there won't be a beast coming up out of the sea, but a man out from the Gentile world who will do the various things mentioned. And Satan won't look like a dragon, 
and Jesus won't show up as a lamb. In other words, in the vision, John is shown symbols of future events. The symbols that are shown are not future. They are current in John's vision. But the symbols represented, uh, pardon me, by the, but, the, but the events represented by the symbols, they are future. And they will culminate with the establishment of David's earthly kingdom, the last judgment, and the new eternal heavens and earth. Now, in Matthew 24, Jesus gave to the disciples an orientation of what to expect in the days, indeed the years, before his second coming. Jesus had taught on several occasions the fact that as the Son of Man, he was going to come again into the world. He told them at Matthew 10, 23, that they, and basically those who believe in Christ after them, would not finish an evangelistic outreach to the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And at Matthew 16, 27, he told them, for the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will then repay every person according to his deeds. So being aware of the promises of the coming of Jesus at some time in the future, they asked the question, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? His answer involved several things. He told them that they would be the objects of great hatred and persecution because of their devotion to him. He said that many false teachers and fake messiahs would arise and claim that it's time for the end. He told them that in the days ahead, there would be earthquakes, famines, plagues, and wars. And yet, he made it clear that those things were normal events. And the disciples should not be concerned about them because it was necessary for them to occur. But that was not yet the end. The end that is in view is the thing that their question revolves around. It's his second coming to the earth. What will be the sign of your coming? Jesus stated that these normal historical occurrences were just the beginning of birth pains. And in the same way that when a pregnant woman experiences the beginning birth pains, there will still be several weeks remaining before the birth of the child. So also when these normal historical trends are seen and experienced, it's not yet the time for the birth, not yet time for the coming of the Lord. The whole process must await the final birth pains. And in fact, all of those things occurred within the next 40 years and have been occurring to a lesser or greater degree to this very day. We are at this present time, still in the period of beginning birth pains. And then at Matthew 24, 9, Jesus told them that, that, that things were going to get more intense. He said that after the beginning birth pains, then they will deliver you up to tribulation. Now, it is a, a very important to note that the very popular King James translation to be afflicted at this verse, does not recognize that the word here is a noun and should be translated as affliction or tribulation or a tribulation. Uh, now, the context indicates that the use of the word tribulation, which is in the Greek, lipsis, is something that would be more intense than the normal beginning birth pains. And he told them that in connection with that intense affliction, there was an Old Testament prophecy that would be fulfilled at some time in the future. A prophecy made by Daniel the prophet. And basically, by making that connection to Daniel, 
he indicated that there would be a time of affliction greater than anything that had ever occurred before. Daniel 12, 1 says, and there will be a time of distress, which uses the word thlipsis in the Greek, by the way, uh, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And Jesus said the same thing at Matthew 24, 21. Then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. Also, by making connection to Daniel, Jesus taught that the time of great tribulation would be triggered by a future arrogant king who will proclaim himself to be God. He will repudiate all other religions, gods, and demand that everyone worship him. <clears throat> now, with this birth image that Jesus used, that period of intense affliction can be seen as the final birth pains leading up to the birth of the child, that is, the return of Jesus. It's interesting that Jesus used the same word thlipsis at John 16, 21 to actually refer to the final birth pains in the birth process. Uh, whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish, the thlipsis, because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. However, in regard to that final period of great tribulation, Jesus also said that if this time of affliction was not to be cut short, then everyone who did not worship that king would be killed. That is, there would be no people left who could be considered believers in God. Uh, Jesus said at Matthew 24:22, And if those days are not cut short, no life will be delivered. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. So according to the perfect wisdom and timing of God, he will indeed cut short those days from their expected duration and bring the cosmic signs, the earthquakes, and oceanic turmoil that will announce the arrival of Jesus and the arrival of the day of the Lord. Just as it is written at Joel 2, 30 and 31, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. Then the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. As Jesus taught here at Matthew 24, 29 through 31. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the meteors will fall from the sky and upon the earth, the roaring of the sea and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the son of man will appear. Uh, then all the tribes of the, uh, of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect out from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the sky, for a meeting with the Lord in the air. So let's look at the seals. For us, in the days ahead, all the religious and social conflict, all the warfare and political unrest is going to increase and get much worse. According to passages in Daniel and Revelation, at some time in the future, there will exist a political and economic organization made up of about 10 different nations that will seek to bring some kind of order out of the chaos, but they won't succeed. 
So in order to calm things down in the Middle East, Asia, and Europe, perhaps even on a worldwide scale, a benevolent, charismatic, and powerful world leader will diplomatically knock three of those nations' heads together and will then negotiate a seven-year peace experiment between the peoples of that area. At Daniel 7.24, he wrote of this person that he will be different from others and he will subdue three kings. At 8.23, a king will arise confident and skilled in language. And at 9.27, he will establish a seven-year covenant with many. This will begin what is commonly recognized as the 70th week of Daniel. The establishment of this seven-year peace experiment will cause the warring factions to end their hostilities, and it will allow them to observe their various religious customs in peace and tolerance. Israel and Islam will actually share Mount Moriah. Israel will be able to build a temple or sanctuary and offer animal sacrifices according to their traditional protocol, although I should add, not with the blessings of God. This is symbolically represented by the first seal of Revelation 6, although some believe that the first seal refers to the middle of the week. But basically, I understand the seals from number 2 leading up to number 6 as referring to the events of the tribulation. That is because the sixth seal portrays the coming of Christ, and Jesus said that his coming would happen after the tribulation. So to continue, Revelation 6.2 says, I looked, and behold, a white horse, and the one who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. This writer will uh, wield his bow without arrows, probably by diplomatically subduing three of the, uh, of the countries that are causing the most trouble. The main reason I see this as the start of the 70th week is, is because the writer of the second seal will take the peace from the earth. That tells me that there is a specific time of peace in place that will specifically be taken away. Now, seal number two is at Revelation 6, 3, and 4. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take the peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. The specific mention of a definite the peace indicates that some kind of peace had been in place, which will then be removed. So now, around the midpoint of the week, the benevolent world leader will be killed. Uh, we would say assassinated. Uh, he will then be healed and empowered by Satan and become the person known as the beast and the Antichrist. Revelation 13.3 And I saw one of his heads as killed, and his fatal wound was healed. Daniel 8.24 and his power will be mighty, but not by his own power, and he will destroy to an extraordinary degree. Revelation 13.5 says that the beast will be given authority to reign for 42 months. Uh, he will begin his destroying and oppression by taking his seat in the temple or sanctuary that is in Jerusalem, and he will put a stop to Israel's sacrifices. Daniel 9.27 says that in the middle of the seven-year covenant, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering in the Jewish temple. 
Now, of course, this will officially break the religious neutrality clause of, of the peace experiment, especially since it will then declare all religions null and void and proclaim himself as being God. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 through 10 says, Then that lawless one will be revealed, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Daniel 11.36 tells us, Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished, for that which is decreed will be done. At Revelation 13.7, And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. The factor that men would slay one another at the uh, end of the verse refers to the killing of Christians and Jews, as Daniel and Revelation indicate. Uh, one of the primary activities of the beast will be to persecute and seek to kill anyone who's a Christian, anyone who's a Jew, and for that matter, anyone who refuses to take the mark and worship the beast. Daniel 7.25 says, And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. Revelation 13.7 tells us it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And at Revelation 13.15, it was given to the false prophet to cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And Revelation 12.13 and 17 shows a focused attack specifically on the Jewish race and upon Christians. It reads, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is symbolically represented then by the second seal. The writer there will take the peace from the earth. Now, because of his healing and through his power and influence, he will amaze the whole world. As a result, hyperbolically, every tribe, people, nation, and language will worship him and the person of Satan who is behind his power. Revelation 13.3 says, And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, and they worshiped Satan because he gave his authority to the beast. The beast's military might will deter any country from attempting warfare against him, where they will proclaim who is like the beast and who is able to wage war against him. So this then will begin the period of time described as the Great Tribulation. Uh, Jesus said that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel standing in the holy place, then understand that there will be at that time a Great Tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. And once again, what we saw at Daniel 12:1, and there will be a time of distress, such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. So now we go to seal number three, which is found at Revelation 6, 5, and 6. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a cord of wheat for a denarius 
and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. The associate of the beast, the false prophet, will establish an economic system that will gain control over the vast majority of material resources throughout the world. This system will have jurisdiction over about three quarters of the Earth's populated land areas and provide peace and security to all who take the mark of the beast and worship the beast. We see this at Revelation 13, 17. And he decrees that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, for those beast worshippers, it will allow the normal routines of economic activity, buying and selling. Uh, just as Jesus said would be the basic environment on the earth in the days before his second coming. Matthew 24, 37, he said, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah, they will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And as Paul wrote it, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, Before Christ's return, they will be proclaiming peace and security, and then ruination will come upon them suddenly. So moving on to seal number four, Revelation 6, 7, and 8. I looked and behold an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. This symbol uh, represents the effects of the beast's control over all the resources. I think that it is significant that this says that death and Hades has authority over one quarter of the earth. It does not say that death kills one quarter, but it has authority over the earth to kill. And it does not say that one quarter of the Earth's population will die. So it seems that this refers to the areas of the Earth over which the beast will have no direct influence. But since the beast's kingdom will basically have control over most of the resources, then other parts of the world are going to suffer extreme shortages. And that seems to be about one quarter of the Earth's area. As a result, many people will die from the famine, plague, criminal violence, and the wild animal attacks that will result from those shortages. So quickly, we move on to seal number five, Revelation 6, 9, and 10. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Now, all throughout the history of the church, Christians have been killed for their belief in Jesus. These, and of course all who have died in Christ, are presently face to face with the Lord, just as Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 5, 5. To be absent from the body is to be face to face with the Lord. The fifth seal shows a symbolic group of people who had been killed because of their Christian testimony. In the vision, these martyrs are already there in heaven. It is not saying that they are being killed. Now, it's very probable that this symbolic group of souls who are seen in heaven represent all who have died in Christ up to the point in time that the chronology of the seals indicates. That is, all who have died prior to the arrival of the beast and before the sixth seal arrival of Jesus. Now, we see them clothed uh, symbolically in white garments to indicate their righteous standing before God. Uh, all who have believed in Christ are viewed as positionally possessing the righteousness of God in Christ. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice that they are also at rest, which indicates there is no sin or bad works present in their memories to cause grief and sorrow. Now, they call out to God, asking how long before his justice will be poured out on the earth dwellers. They are told to rest a while longer until another group of believers who will be killed will join them in this heavenly setting. Now, the seals represent things that must occur before the arrival of Jesus at the sixth seal. The information given at the fifth seal indicates that there is another group of believers who will be killed during the time period from the second seal to the sixth seal. The mention of this group of saints does not indicate the start of the tribulation. The souls in heaven are told what will happen during the tribulation, which will, of course, start back at the second seal with the removal of the peace from the earth. This group in heaven are not identified with the beast's oppressive reign during the tribulation. It is the group of fellow servants and fellow brethren who are the ones who will die during the tribulation. As Jesus said in Matthew 24, 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of me. So now we get to seal number six. Uh, at some unknown day and hour after the beast begins his reign, the tribulation will be interrupted and cut short from its expected duration of 42 months. 1260 days, three and a half years. Uh, this is going to be indicated by the cosmic and earthly signs that announce the coming of Jesus and the arrival of the day of the Lord. That's at that time that Jesus will then arrive in the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Every eye will see him. And then, of course, also immediately upon his arrival, he will send forth his angels and they will gather together his elect ones uh, out from the earth for a meeting with the Lord in the air. Matthew 24, 29, 31 describes it this way. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect ones from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of the sky. So this is what is symbolically represented by the sixth seal at Revelation 6, 12 through 17. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the eminent people and the commanders, and the wealthy, and the strong, and every slave and free person hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, 
from the wrath of the Lamb. For the day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? <clears throat> now, there are two things that will occur at the sixth seal that are not directly mentioned. One, the specific arrival of Jesus. But this is clearly indicated because every eye will see him, and everyone will symbolically try to hide. And the second thing is that the rapture is not mentioned. But we know from the rest of the New Testament that it will, in fact, occur at his coming. So then, there are two results from the sixth seal that are shown to John in chapter 7. First is a result on the earth. That's the conversion of the 144,000 Jewish servants. It's described in uh, chapter 7, 1 through 8. Second is a result that is seen in heaven. Revelation 7, 9 and following shows the multitude of saints that were gathered out of the great tribulation. It shows them as already gathered in heaven, already standing before the throne, and not in the process of arriving. This multitude has been gathered uh, out from every nation and tribe and peoples and language. This is exactly what will happen at the rapture of the church. Now, it's likely that Jesus will remain in the vicinity of the earth, outposted, as it were, on a cloud from where he will pour out the day of the Lord's judgments through the trumpets and the bowls. I believe this is what is in view at Revelation 14, 14 through 16, uh, which, uh, if I recall, I have uh, discussed in a previous episode. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. This uh, reaping by the Son of Man refers to the administration of the day of the Lord's judgments through the trumpets and the bowls. And that is... Uh, what is portrayed uh, at the opening of the seventh seal. Uh, but before the seventh seal is open, there will be a delay of judgment in order for the 144,000 Jewish servants to be saved and sealed through their acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah Savior. And then it is after that delay, after the uh, salvation of the 144,000, that the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth with the symbolic blowing of the trumpets. So it is that out from the seventh seal will come the seven trumpets. The trumpets five and six are woes one and two. And then trumpet seven will announce the end of the 70th week of Daniel. It will likewise announce the third woe, which will be the seven bowls. These judgments will be poured out on the kingdom of the beast during the 30 days that follow the end of the 70th week. And uh, the Battle of Armageddon is then going to occur in connection with bowl six and seven. And it is at the end of that 30 days, after the battle is finalized, that the abomination will be removed from the holy place in Jerusalem. Just as Daniel 12:11 indicates. And from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, that's at the midpoint, and the abomination of desolation is set up, which is at the midpoint, there will be 1,290 days. And then it's during the next 45 days that the world will be prepared for the earthly kingdom 
by the removal of all unbelievers so that only believers will go into the earthly kingdom. Now, these are the ones who are described at Daniel 12, 12 as happy are those who keep waiting and attain to the 1335 days. There will then be a total of 75 days after the end of the 70th week and until Jesus sets up his earthly kingdom. So now as we await the fulfillment of these various things that have been prophesied, our focus should be on the character and plan of God, on his wisdom and timing, just as Paul wrote, which, which, which he will bring about in his own time. And let us be comforted continually by the words of our Lord. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you also will be. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 